Hey everyone, welcome to the Wise Rock Podcast. This is the podcast of product builders and opinionators for hire. I am Eric Uswa, your host. Along with me is Jeff Horton. Jeff, how's it going today? I'm, I'm pretty warm today, Eric. You know, warm front crossing Western Canada. So we'll see how that goes as I melt in my little office here. Yeah, it's about 30 over here too, so I'm a little a little bit warm, a little bit damp. That's that's okay. So one, one of the big things that came up in my Twitter this week, and, and probably yours, is about the Steam refunds. Ah, and yes, Steam it's, refunds. It's, it's an interesting move to make sure that you know games are really compatible, right? People enjoy them. Returns are common in every other kind of shopping experience now. But one of the quotes yep. that I saw that actually really bothered me about this was somebody talks about well, what if I do you know three years worth work on my indie game and I throw it away you know put it into Steam someone buys it and they hate it right and then I've thrown away all that work and I say well if you're gonna if you think you're throwing away that work then what right do you have to that money in the first place did you really connect with anyone so why would you keep the money yeah. for a bad game yeah, I think it's a, it's bringing out, I think, a lot of interesting perspectives from a lot of developers. I guess for those who haven't heard, the Steam refund policy has been updated to allow purchasers to get refunds after two-hour trial periods of the software. So they buy a game, they pay for it, and as long as they make a decision within two hours, they can get their money back. So some developers have been jumping on Twitter and Posting a few sales, a few quasi sales charts uh, that den- that are denoting, you know, term- terminal lines on their on their graphs, and I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know. I think it's a little bit too early in in some cases to really say if this is really good or really bad. I think Steam is trying to do a lot of different things with their platform. They're not afraid to uh, to try out things. You remember a few months ago they were trying out paid mods yeah, uh, yeah. in their. And there was a, it, it, again, there was the same blowback um, as soon as they announced it, and then they they withdrew it after four days or something. They withdrew the, the paid mod policy, which I don't know what's worse. Like if you're a mod a mod d- designer, right? Not to segue in, back into mods, but I mean, all of a sudden you find out, you know, that you can get paid for something for all the the work and sweat that you're pouring into some of these mods. Yeah, I don't and then have that's a problem suddenly, with that. You know, like somebody oh, did work, totally, you're enjoying totally. it. Why yep. not have, yep. be, be able to pay for it or buy it, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. I completely, or, or at least give give you the option to do it. If you yep. don't want to do yep. it, that's fine. If you want to keep it free, that's fine. But if you want to charge one ninety nine, eight ninety nine, whatever, right? So now I don't know how they feel now that it's been yanked back. So it's kind of like they've been given a little bit of a taste of it, and then. Zoom, so, but yeah. back to this refund policy, um, you're right. Well, so like so you cool. buy a lot of Steam games, I think, or a lot more than I do. So yeah. I'm curious, like the indies that have the problem with it, are they simply making games that don't have replayability or more than an hour's worth of content? Well, I think a lot of them have. It's kind of like every everything else that's creative. You have it, it comes down to your taste. What do you prefer? Now, a lot, of, a lot, you know, like the the one good good thing about low i would say quote unquote low prices for some of these games like on apple app store you spend 199 99 cents 299 399 whatever and it doesn't feel so you know you don't really feel too bad if it turns out to be a game you don't like yeah right yeah. like it's not you know for most people it's not the end of the world they're out coffee money right uh they can't 
they can't get a donut or something, right? But, you know, when you're the developer on the other end, of course, I mean, you know, it does make a difference getting that sale money, right? And so now for this for this Steam sale, what is it, it's going to be interesting to see what does it turn purchases into? Like the actual purchaser consumers using the platform before everyone was used to, you know, not having the ability to get a refund. Yeah, unless you could refund on iOS, you could refund on yep. Android. And so before now, um, of course, you could only get refunds on Valve games, but not other, you know, indie indie games that you might buy on on the platform. So now that you can finally get refunds back for them, will that change your purchasing habits? Yeah. So one of the things that comes up, like I do a lot of work in you know software as a service and commercial kind of product, and they say the customers you win on price will also leave on price. So if yep. you're you know, if you can only win because you're a 99 cent cup of coffee game, then yep. maybe you're not really trading on value anyway. Maybe you're not really connecting. Maybe that three years worth of development didn't have any testing. Like it's fun to you and it's fun to your mom, but we all know that's not a product. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, right. And and it, it comes back to trying to to make a story for yourself through developing whatever you're working on. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't really. It, I don't think it's really worked for the past. I don't know, maybe four or five years now, where you can just disappear into a cave for two or three years, yeah, and then pop but, up. The, so we pop understand up the that. Side. So you need gameplay, yeah. though. You you need to work on that game loop. But yeah. you know, all of the energy that goes into PR now, right? The backstory, the the regular story. You know that everyone talks about. You're not going to get written up in the game press unless you've got a story, right? You you lost a leg and your dog and. That's why That's you wrote right. a game about space travel. You know, yeah. it's, it's a bit yeah. like country music now, and so that might get yeah. you press, and that might get you buyers, but that doesn't mean you have a loop. That doesn't mean that somebody's going to play for more than five minutes, right? That's We've right. seen a lot of the games that really get played. They didn't even get to market based on story, based on anything else. They got based on a predictable game loop. Right, right. And the, some of the other successes have been, I don't know, they... They have a way of ta- whether they've done it intentionally or not. They have been able to tap into what what people want to want to buy, what people want to play, right? Like it, you know, we've always kind of said before that you know game development is really easy as soon as you make something that everyone wants to buy, right? Yeah, yeah. like it's it's <laughs> it couldn't be easier. It couldn't be easier to be a game developer as long as you make something people want to buy, right? And I think this is the case. Like a lot of indies are finding out that they may not have what people want to buy. Yeah, well, this and, is the, the art versus game kind of problem, right? You know, just right, because right. it's it's art and you love it doesn't mean that it's a commercial product. And when you yeah. conflate those two things, then yeah, it's not going to do what you want. You know, I right. I personally do lots of painting. I'm not doing commercial painting though. I'm doing art painting. So yeah. this isn't even worth ninety nine cents what I'm making. Well, and and a lot of I think a lot of feeling of entitlement kind of comes into play too, right? Like you you've put your you know you put your your house on on the line. You've you know you've quit your job. You're you know you're trying to survive on your spouse's income. Um, you know your your kids are wearing you know fourth generation hand me downs. You know you're eating KD noodles, ramen, whatever, and you feel entitled that because you've gone through all that that you should have a hit on your hands. 
Oh, the, right? the pain like, brings win kind of that's startup. Right. That's theory. right. The, the more the more pain you suffer through development, then that that the bigger hit you're going to make coming out the other end, right? And I I think a lot of a lot of people get kind of sucked into that that mindset. Like it's really easy, you know. You're on the very end of end of everything, end of your rope. The only way, you know, maybe it's the only way some some people can keep going is if they believe that that you know the only way out is, you know, this will be worth it. I just got to ship this, get it to the store, and I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make everything all back times 10, right? Yeah, so in startup gonna, land, though, the Big Bang win is, yeah. it basically never really works. It makes a great backstory, never. build a movie around it, but it doesn't really happen. So that's right. I'm curious, though, when we talk about, you know, gameplay development and things like that, have you come across like a, uh, you know, the lean startup kind of movement where you're really going through those worksheets to understand you know who the customer is what the distribution is things like that does does that even come up in the indie forums i would say that if if you were a practicer of that then you would be on something like newgrounds okay you would be on what's another one? or you would you would try out a um um a smaller store for example Right, like you would, you would try just getting it out there. Like, like it's kind of a, it's kind of a balancing act. Like, you want to get things out there and get feedback on what you've got, but at the same time, you know, you, you kind of feel that you don't want it out too soon because no one's going to kind of quote unquote get it, or you know, maybe maybe you have no art in it all. Whatever, it's just blobs, you know, triangles and squares. Yeah, and you want feedback on the actual game loop, right? So almost, you know everything you you hear back is it might be negative for the first little while so well so that's actually, that's actually a great point though right when we yeah you know so i've been through the indie meetup here in vancouver and there's lots of talk around getting that game loop you know spend 50 percent of the time on the game loop the first 50 percent and the second is actually on the assets right because you you know then you can end up without a fun game if you do it the other way that's around right. so but the kickstarter universe let's say it really requires that you have a lot of assets up front and then you're oh, promising yeah. to complete gameplay. So, yeah. You know, you kind yeah. of toss that whole thing on its head and maybe that's why a lot of Kickstarter stuff just never quite ships or doesn't meet expectations is that you've, you've set the wrong bar. And yeah, and you bring up an excellent point there. Um, like it, when, when you see projects on, on Kickstarter... You're right. I mean, like everything. I think they, everything that they would normally put into a game, they've just put into the pitch. Yeah. So instead of instead of using that talent, using that time, using that, I don't even want money. They put that all that towards just putting the best pitch forward that they can to get backers. And sometimes it works, and sometimes you know, lots of companies just fizzle right out. Um, now I can't remember the name of it, of course, when I need it. But there was a, a company that was on there a couple of either last year or the year before, and they went under because the they were using the Kickstarter as their Hail Mary. You know, this is this is it. This is the last pass we have in the game, and we've got to make it, or we're going under. And they went under. They didn't. They didn't make it right. And I'm I'm sure there's so many stories like that. And then you you other places like uh, Double Fine, right. they. They've been taking a lot of heat because they, you know, they were the first ones to kind of really use the Kickstarter platform to to hit the million, I think. And I think it's only recently that they finally shipped most of the game that they had promised in that very first initial pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of them um, really struggle with what to really what to really do with that. 
and and people I think people are a little bit wiser now like in in the early days it was kind of a fun thing you know I've got two bucks holy cow this is you know a double fine game or this is you know a Richard Garriott Lord British game right or or any kind of one of those um, Chris Crawford he's been on there too you know let's let's wing some money at them right nowadays like it's you know more people want more out of it you know, it's almost like they they're treat they're they're treating it as that they're an investor in the game, and that they have an actual say. Like, I'll yeah. give you my three ninety nine or or you know fifty bucks or whatever, but then I want X Y Z to show up in the game, and it better be there. Yeah, but isn't that what happens? You know, the point is to go directly to your customer, and yeah. so if we you know if we come back to the uh, lean startup kind of world, right? In that world, it's based on the idea that you're taking your idea to the world. To see if it survives, right? And what you generally find is that the idea you had, nobody will pay for. You'll get, you know, a bunch of other really specific feedback and ideas around, well, you know, that variant of this, right? You know, I don't care about getting my dog painted blue, but if you can paint my lawn blue, that's great. And 10 people yep. tell you that. It's a, not a great example. We're in a drought. We're going to go green lawns. I'll come by and I'll paint your lawn. Uh, yeah. But you'll find a bunch of people who are willing to do that. But if you're so dead set in your mind that you're going to be painting blue dogs, you know, there's a market opportunity where you said customers are here and you're like, well, but that's, I don't care what you say. That's not a good idea. Right. I believe in blue dogs. And, you know, so in gaming, if you have a vision and you take it to the market and the market says, I don't want your vision, I'll maybe I'll give you money to help change that vision and you ignore them. Well, who's, is the customer the bad guy, right? The customer right. said, we're getting into this relationship because I think we're going to get to green lawns. And you're for a year going, no, no, blue dogs. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you get this expectation mismatch. And I think both sides really get mad about it. But you've gone to the customer. This is the problem is that you're going to Kickstarter. You're imagining them as backers who unemotional backers. But that's different that's right. than a pre-order which is for me right. like I think of Kickstarter in the in the PR space, the pre-order space, the you're 80% of the way there and this is part of the buzz movement, not a hey, give me some money and I'll start writing code tonight. I don't really care what you say, but I'll start writing it tonight. Those are different worlds. Oh, definitely, definitely. And and you know, Kickstarter is probably one of the more famous ones. There's also one uh, Indiegogo. That's another one. Yeah. And I think that one's a little bit more. I just need money to keep going, right? It's not. It's it's kind of a. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a flip flop of Kickstarter, but in in that same vein, you're not really a. Um, you're not really treated as an investor. No. Oh, so just from a get go, the ideology is different, maybe. That's right. That's right. Um, and then there's Patreon. There's another one called Patreon, and that one is basically the same as when you go to a site and you click on donate. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what that feels like. It's like you're donating. You're you're pa- you're being a patron for a creative out there that whose work you believe in, and you know if they ship or not, that's fine. Um, if they make it or not, that's fine. But you believe in them enough that you want to support them to be at least at least be able to have some kind of bridge to getting something out the door. Yeah. So while we're talking ideologies, though, we'd be remiss to talk about uh, Oculus and Facebook. Right. That was one where people backed it, right? They they wanted something. Maybe there was some pre-order, that kind of stuff. But then it got absorbed for a pile of money into Facebook. Right, right. And a lot of people were like, well, no, no, I I invested. Well, but you didn't, you you know. That's right. 
It's like sometimes you're an investor, sometimes you're a backer. That's right. It's all, it's all very oh, yeah. confused. I mean, like, how would you how would you feel? I mean, like you you know, what if you're against heavily against something like Facebook, but you're pro something else, and then out of the blue they get acquired, just like what happened to Oculus? Yeah. Were you know were you pumping them up just to be acquired? Like, is that what ended up happening? And for a lot of those people, yeah, it was. So I'm they curious ended. though. Do, do we know if they ever got their rewards? Did that happen? I, like, like, honest, did I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of the re- rewards were around what they're supposed to be shipping, what they had on to, what they had on a target schedule before the the acquisition. So I don't know how that's changed hmm. once they've been acquired. So, Interesting. Yeah, no. I guess that would be worth looking up to see what Lucky Palmer says. So, yeah, we got to do our homework here. Come on. <laughs> well, that kind of went off a track I wasn't expecting. So why don't, why don't we just say I wasn't ready for that one? But we'll we'll look at what Lucky says. I'm sure yeah. he's he, he's had an AMA out there on Reddit. I'm sure he's mentioned it of what happens with their Kickstarter. Yeah. So uh, actually, so. while we're talking about VR. Oh, yeah. So I was at uh, a meetup last week. It was the I want to say Android meetup, and they had some Google development partner guy here from uh, Montreal, and he just come off of the Google I/O event. He talked a lot about Google's VR play, the Google Cardboard, which I guess was the the right. huge thing this year. Was all VR and cardboard. Lots of interesting stuff around uh, putting them in the classroom, so teachers could do like a hosted VR field trip kind of thing. That's right, that's right. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, we, we we're old enough to remember VRML, which had its own yeah. problems, right? And it's, yeah. not, you know, not quite the same world. But yeah. so in, you know, my concern with VR has always been that gaming, for me, is with the people in the room, right? You've got... You've got an open audio channel, but that that next two people matters for a lot of games. You know, I'm not talking about the MMO universe. I'm talking about the the Wii universe, the Xbox universe. That you know, I sit on the couch with the kids while I'm playing something. So they're That's right. even if they're not playing, we're still interacting. We're still part of the same experience. But if That's I've right. got a VR headset on, you know, maybe they're seeing some version of it on the TV. That's where the experience you know, as a social experience falls down for me. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Because I, I mean, in the, just the other day, I was thinking what's happened with Google Glass. They had nothing but nothing but media coverage, nothing but push. And where are they? They were supposed to be the next the next thing, right? And um, I'm really hoping VR doesn't become that. Uh, I want to believe that it's going to be the game changer that everybody's talking about, yeah, right? But so but what's, you, what's that experience? So, you know, you've got four kids, yep, right? Yep, so yep. let's imagine that VR experience, even the Google Cardboard experience, two, hour, you know, two years out in your house. So you've mm-hmm. got four, five, six headsets for your family, right? If you're really playing together, you've got, you know, six reasonable phones of some sort to use with cardboard you're going to give cardboard to a four-year-old like you know so like that's where that gets weird for me well and and how are they solving the 3d tv problem right because that's almost the same identical problem right you've got i mean does everybody in the room need to have the glasses yeah for for the optimal for the optimal 3d tv experience so I i think the same thing is going to happen on the the vr side of things like are they going to have like a some type of El Cheapo viewer that people can watch if they're not participating, where it's not it's not as souped up as 
as the one playing or you know what i mean like it, what it'll be so fascinating i think to see what they're going to do how yeah. is how is microsoft going to solve their problem how is facebook and oculus going to solve theirs right that's where i'm confused right because it really it falls the couch experience is what falls down for me yeah yeah everything you know even when you and i were little you know the nintendo stuff all those kinds of things just as children you know, is your yeah. are your boys really going to bring home friends from school that you don't know, and you're going to be like, here, here's a couple hundred dollars worth of headset, yeah. go to town, try not yeah, to trip over nuts. my stuff. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's very different than oh, you know, Joey broke the controller. This is you know, this is Joey broke your tablet, fell over the couch, broke his arm. You know, there's lots of things that go on in VR that adults yeah. you know can deal with, but. A room full of little children that really well, scares and, me. And and especially the way they're talking about how good the VR experience is. When all you hear from initially from the Oculus was that it had reached a low enough level of latency that your actual subconscious is tricked into thinking that you really are where you see you are. Yeah. Like the the experience yeah. is supposed to be that good, where you're you're you know up until now, like you you know you're wearing a headset, you know you're wearing you're in some kind of thing. But the, the, apparently the latency is so low and the feedback is so good that you really your your whole your whole conscious feels that you're there. You're right. I mean, how are kids going to handle that? What if you're playing like a dinosaur game, right? Like Jurassic World. Yeah. I mean, that would be just totally terrifying if you're not if you don't know <laughs> if you've never seen one of these things. But oh well, hey, I'll pop this on, right? And all of a sudden you've got a Velociraptor coming after you, right? And I mean, that would just be, yeah, you know? Yeah. But well, that's and the thing what, is, too, like in children, that sense of self, that separate from, you know, everyone and you're your own thing, really doesn't kick in until that, like, 8 to 12 age range. So younger right. than that, you know, there's real confusion about magic and reality yeah. and everything anyway. Yeah. My yeah. kids are, are what's the, uh, the connect them else, right? So there's lots of that, you know, play with that kind of stuff. And that's real enough. We've seen that in the robots, you know, the, the petting robots for senior citizens and things like that. There was a, a book I read, I'll, I'll try and look it up for next week, about children and small robots, uh, you know, Tamagotchis even, and how parents yeah. would end up with drawers of Tamagotchis because nobody could really let them die or they, they needed to be buried. And so right, if, we take, right. if we take all of these kinds of things that we know exist for children already and we bring it forward into an, a complete reality or you know, a very real experience, yeah, I'm curious how that's going gonna, it's gonna to wash out. Separate from really how gameplay works, how you and your wife are going to sit there and play something, that's different <laughs> from us as you know, people with children, gamer that's children, right. and what's going to happen to them. That's right. Well, and, and you know, may, maybe maybe to kind of encourage uh, setting boundaries and and getting used, getting quote unquote used to used to things, used to VR. Maybe for the first uh, generation of games or or gameplay is just going to be single player. Maybe in order in order in order for you to get used to, you know, you 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 can teach your children once you put this on, you're going to be in a different world in a different place, and then we can take it off whenever you want, right? That kind yeah. of thing. Like it's a and then as people get used to it, then maybe it'll turn into more of the social... Oh, yeah, social there's experience. definitely generational stuff here. I don't think... Yeah. That, like, you yeah. and I are not of the world of this is horrible and will destroy society. Right. We're nothing like oh, that. Oh, no. This I, is, I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah, but, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm curious to see how it actually comes out in practice. And 
That's right. I that's right. Have thought if I was actually solving these problems, I haven't thought about how I would approach some of these things. It's interesting stuff. Oh, I think it's going to be a really cool 2015, 2016. Maybe, maybe. You've seen all the sci-fi, though. Things could go really weird, really fast. Right? Yeah. Well, John Dean and Mnemonic, grade two, you know, just plug him in and we'll go merrily on our way. Well, I mean, what, what teacher wouldn't want to be able to take everyone on a, you know, African safari? Yeah. Right? Or or let's go let's go to the um, archipelagos. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, those, and those are, are great experiences. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's, you know, we're, we're getting pretty long on the show here, but there's one other thing. So in games, as compared to reality and education, and these are topics that we care about, there's been already a lot of talk that school has simply become unengaging for children because the game experience they're getting at home from your, your kids are little, right? So you've got them on the tablet already right now. And then by the time they get to school, the experience they're getting is not really goal-oriented, does not have clear feedback mechanisms. You don't really get, you know, I don't want to say game loop, but, you know, that outcome of every day is just not well-known, right, or not well-communicated. So if we take what we know now about the games are immersive enough and goal enough that school has become boring, if you VR your kids at home, so by the time they get to school, you've already safaried them around the planet and put them on moon right. and let them fly spaceships, you know, any number of imaginable things, right? That they're going to get to kindergarten and be put in a chair and go, oh, so spelling, yeah, that's... Yeah. Sand, you've, got a, you've got a sand pit, eh? That's that's pretty cool. I was, play, I was fighting a tiger last week, but, you know, that's dirt right. is cool. That's right. I, I yeah, we'll do, the, we'll do this uh, red-blue green thing, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that'll be that'll bring another one of those like real disconnects between what's happening at home with technology and what's happening in the schools. Right, right, and and I th- I think some program it's kind of like what happens today. Some programs are more adaptive than others, and it's it, it's really hard to kind of get you know you talk about the feedback loop of games being better and better and better. Lately, it is they're always improving every year. The the way games can teach you and 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 provide feedback for X Y Z. And never to do, you know, STU, that kind of thing. The schools, on the other hand, operate on a real long tail, I guess, where things, you know, things take time. It takes a year to go through your math, right? It takes a whole school year to go through the curriculum for, you know, grade six math or grade seven math, whatever, right? Like it's a really long kind of process that it's just repetitive, repetitive. You know, we got to keep doing the same thing every day for all year. Yeah. And hope that you come out the other side trying to understand what you know fa- how to what an equation is that kind yeah. of thing. Right? Well, and, and repetition and, can be useful if you read books yeah. like The Talent yeah. Code, which has been out for a few years. It talks a lot about deliberate practice, and I've, I've blogged a little yeah. bit about that before. And but deliberate practice requires you know. So the best example is like if you're learning a, a piano piece, is that you're playing through the notes right until you make a mistake, and then you're generally starting over. Yeah. This is very deliberate programming, go through when you get stuck. Okay, so this is the three notes I'm getting stuck on, but then I'm going to start over, go back and do it. And that kind of deliberate practice doesn't really happen in the classroom. There's some question now around the multiplication tables, the way you and I learned them, that that really is that, like, you screwed it up, start over, work yeah. through it, that that actually was a deliberate practice. And that discovery math is entirely the opposite of deliberate practice 
and is whimsical, you know, yes, you may eventually just understand it, but, you know, like, nobody's just going to, you know, common core basketball, right? No. Discovery basketball. Basketball will just emerge. That's not really how that works. We know that doesn't work in sports. Sports is about this deliberate practice, deliberate steps, practice That's this right. one shot 200 times until yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. That's right. And, and the, I see the games are doing that, some of the games. I sent you a link earlier to mathplayground.com. And I find a lot of the stuff on that site really is of that practice space. You've got to get a couple of things right to work through them. There's very kind of intense pathing. Khan Academy does the same thing. You've got to get kind of five right in an area to go forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, you're right. I mean, like the, the way that that's all set up is it is a different approach. I know it's 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 a it's broad topic. We'll 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 set up a whole episode where we argue education for a while, or we'll just cover. <laughs> it will be more useful for the audience, and we'll cover educational resources. Yeah, yeah. that's what we'll do. So I think. No, I definitely look forward to that talk. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. So I think today we're we're running through half an hour and so far for this one. So we'll see how yeah. the listeners are willing to to enjoy us for this long. Uh, I hope everyone does. Eric and I would love to hear some feedback. Uh, you can tweet us both just at Wazrock on Twitter. It's an easy yep. way to find both of us very quickly. We get all the emails and notifications there. Otherwise, Eric, do you have anything else today? I don't. I just wanted to wish you have a great week ahead of us, and we'll do this again next time.